BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello and welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We are live. We are very excited. We have another special guest, another Wisconsin Badger, our third in the last four weeks. So it's uh, it's pretty cool that we're getting to have some active Badgers on the show. So we're going to welcome Ricardo Holm into the show. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> All right. We had a whole bunch bunch of questions for you it's it's a really exciting badgers fan like we got the whole the whole luke fickle bat signal thing going on um, like crazy but so it's a question at the front of everybody's mind is what was your first impression of luke fickle um he was a really good dude really good person you know um kind of when we first had that team meeting when everything went down and he uh organized that you know he let us know like firsthand that you know he was he was here to only enhance what we have. You know, he was excited to be here. I think he gave all of us like a like that confidence in him that he was the guy to lead us because you know he all he made us all feel like really great about him and he's just like a really good dude. Just uh having the like we were, we were able to be coached by him during the bowl session and then able to be coached by him during the game and he's a really good dude, really smart, really great coach. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I, I definitely get that sort of uh, uh, first impre- impression as well. So, and then when he gets hired, right, he's bringing on his assistant. So, and I know this ju- just happened officially, but um, were you have you been able to get be in get in contact with Coach Tressel at all? And if so, what's your first impression of him? Would you say? Uh, yes, sir. Um, I actually meet. I actually met with him um, on official visit weekend because uh, I was hosting uh, hosting Jonas the recruit. So, you know, oh, I got cool. to have a little bit of time with him and just talk to, with him one-on-one for a bit. And he seemed like a really good dude as well. You know, um, very smart. We talked a little bit of ball. Seems like a very smart dude. And then I'm excited to work with him as well. So they both seem like really good dudes. That's awesome. So this one goes back a little bit further, but you know, you're obviously you're playing a power five conference, a big school like Wisconsin, like who in your life inspired your love of football? Um, definitely, definitely my uh, stepfather with him, uh, playing in the NFL, you know, and, uh, mm. me being around him ever since I was young. So, you know, he kind of instilled the love for the game in me, uh, at a young age. It was all, it was so much like the first thing I would watch is always, always be football, watching him play and everything like that. So 
that really helped me to love football so much at a young age. And then, you know, it helped that I was kind of good at it. So that was it. <laughs> yeah, that just catapulted me into like the love I have for football now. Awesome. Tyler, were you? Yeah, you got the, you had this next one here. I think. Um. Well, you can go ahead. We can we can keep alternating. Okay. So I got one one sec here. So what would you say? You know, you're obviously we kind of talked talked about this before we hopped on here, but maybe if you can figure it out, maybe the biggest difference between besides the weather, possibly. The biggest difference between playing football in Florida versus Wisconsin. Besides the weather, um, besides the weather, I would say um, definitely just kind of. I would say the size, the size of like you know, back in Florida, we're not the when you get to college in Wisconsin and you notice all the guys from Wisconsin, different places from the Midwest, like different places like that, and the size of the guys are huge, you know, back in Florida, we're not used to, we're more of like the athletic type and just the, all of that. So we never had like the size as I've seen, like the people have up here. So I would say that's probably outside of the world. That's probably like the most major difference, just the, the size of the athletes in Wisconsin and the size of athletes in Florida. Right. Yeah. I, I, I know I start threw you for a curveball ball there with the whole weather concept. I'm glad <laughs> that was a good detailed answer though. <laughs> So it was really cool to like I just saw the it was probably actually like right before the bowl game, but um, you were named rookie of the year for the Badgers for the football team this year. How did you react to to winning that award? Uh, that was that was really exciting. Like I know um, as soon as because they called me up uh, at the at the ceremony, and then you know as soon as I got up, as soon as I got up there, I was just so nervous because I was like I told the guys I was like yeah, I wasn't expecting to win an award, but. You know, uh, thank you guys. You know, and just uh, for allowing me to for allowing me to be here and stuff like that. And but it was it was awesome. You know, uh, being able to be recognized by my teammates and coaches as rookie of the year. You know, it just lets you know that the work you put in, the work I put in from the spring, the summer, the winter, everything, it all paid off. And you know, I was able to kind of make like a a good resume for myself this year, and uh, I was able to play some ball and I got the attention of my teammates and my coaches. So I felt so great. And it even gives you more motivation to, to work hard, harder. I'm sure not that. And I'm sure you already have plenty in the tank already, but um, just that acknowledgement, I'm sure just fires you right the hell up for sure. <laughs> yes, sir. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, man. Yeah. So, and then, you know, going off of that, so you got just get done with the bowl game, right? You obviously got to go play a game down there. What would you say is your was your favorite part of the whole you know bowl game experience it's, itself when you were down in Arizona? I would say just kind of environment in Phoenix. It, it was such a it was such a great place. You know, great weather, a lot of a lot of great vibes. You know, being able to be with the guys and uh, doing all those type of different activities. Like we had an activity where we uh, went uh, for the Salvation Army and just did a different type of charity things, and that was really cool to experience that with them. And you know, obviously, like the kind of the last part, being able to send our coaches off with a with a win, and then you know to send them off, and that that was just a great feeling, you know, um, because we had been through so much the whole entire year, and then just just to be able to send them off with a win and just like congratulate them for everything that they've done, uh, that was like the cherry on the top. Mm -hmm. 
That's awesome. So you, you kind of touched on it a little bit with all the, the coaching changing and all that. Like, um, did you, did you ever get to a point where you considered the transfer portal? Like I know there's a lot of guys in and out, like Graham Mertz transferred out, Marcus Allen kind of transferred out and then kind of came back, but, um, some guys going to the NFL, but did you consider the transfer portal at all? Um, I would say the thought came into my mind, but I never really like kind of really ever went further into that. Like the thought just came into my mind, but I knew like overall, like Wisconsin was where I ultimately wanted to be no matter where the coaches was. I just love the culture of this place. I just love my teammates and stuff like that. So I knew like overall, this is the place I wanted to be. So I didn't entertain it much. It was just like a little bit of a thought at first, but I never really entertained it much. Oh, that's, I mean, it's a fair point when you go through that much change, I'm sure like it's, it's hard to not at least, you know, think about it and that would just be that would pretty much be with anybody yeah. i'm sure so that's i wouldn't blame you for a second so so you're coming you come to wisconsin right you know you have a big big time high school career and then once you get to you know the college campus and you're not you know not necessarily playing as much as you obviously used to back in high school so with that being said like through this process how would you say you stay mentally strong you know, through maybe not as much playing time, you know, obviously not, maybe not quite like this year, you're playing a little more in comparison to your redshirt year, but collectively since going, being on top in high school to now, how would you like, how do you handle it from a mental perspective if you had to you know, pinpoint that? Um, I would definitely say, you know, um, just kind of, you know, the difference because, you know, just kind of coming out of high school, you know, you don't know ultimately what to expect, but I know like being around older guys, being, a guy, being around guys that have been around the college football level for a little minute that, you know, I wasn't expecting to go in and just be like the guy right away. You know, obviously that's like what everybody wants, but, you know, I wasn't expecting that. But I think I think it was a great thing for me because it helped me to learn, like I, just to sit back and really learn how to play college ball, adjust to the tempo, adjust to the speed, adjust like – to everything I have to do to be successful. And I think um, not playing so much my freshman year allowed me to really sit back and do that. You know, um, coming into the second year and being able to um, start the first couple of games for the season, uh, which is absolutely amazing. I think that first year not playing as much really helped me to be able to take that step into the next year, just like sitting back and learning just how to be a college athlete and how to be a football player on Wisconsin. Awesome. I love that answer, by the way. That's that's yeah. I love the mature approach. And it's it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things that like like I appreciate the most about being able to talk to some of you guys that are on the team because we as as fans, we just see, oh, he's playing a little bit less, like he must be in the coach's doghouse or something like that, and not mm -hmm. actually getting like the players' perspectives or like the coaches' perspectives. So it's it's cool having that and it's cool being able to hear that from you. So <clears throat> a little more specific, actually. Like how in general, like we we focus for on our show is is we want to focus on things from a positive and optimistic viewpoint because we want to be able to help people that watch our show do the same. So how do you take care of and protect your mental health? Uh, for the most part, you know, I don't have like a crazy routine as uh, some other guys, but uh, I just say for the most part, I just try to I try to pick up a. The, uh, habit of uh, meditating. I know during the season mm. I would do, it a, I would do mm. it a decent amount just to try to like keep up with that, you know, kind of uh, relax 
just kind of get myself relaxed before I go to bed and like knowing what I visualizing myself, you know, what I have to do with my tasks the next day and just kind of before games as well, you know, um, getting a little antsy, sometimes getting a little overwhelmed with emotions, just to calm myself down. I just put on my headphones, pop in a little meditation, uh, close my eyes and try to relax because, you know, with so much like, you know, us college athletes have to deal with so much rather like not even just football, school it as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, just a lot of different factors. So I think like meditating from time to time and trying to uh, create that, create that as like a, a, a very like useful habit for myself. It, it's been, it's been really good for me. So I think that that helps me out a lot. I love that answer too. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really, really good. And we've noticed that too, with like the guests that we we've had on here, they get really, really good, concise, you know, answers when it comes to how, how do you handle that sort of thing and it's really really cool to hear from a player's perspective like what goes through um you know what's in the process with that because i think a lot of fans all, all don't really understand what goes into you know being a college athlete behind the scenes and this is just like a perfect example of like what you know what else goes on in the day in the life or in like during the season with uh with you guys so no that's a well another really good detailed answer that we i know tyler and i can appreciate for sure <laughs> yeah yes, sir. Definitely. Thank you. yeah so then i want to get yeah to you know game time right so quite fr- we just want to know straight up i mean this is, i'm sure a lot of stuff is racing through your head but what's like your mentality when you're lining up against when you're lining up across a receiver you know when, when you know in the middle of a game uh, my mentality, my mindset is just like, I, as soon as I line up, you know, I want to make this guy have to fight for everything. Like, I want to make him have to fight for every catch, every yard he gets because, you know, just like, I want that guy to, at the end of the game, be like, wow, number two, number two gave me a good one today. He was a, he was a good guy. He was a baller. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just like my mindset going to, you know, being from Florida, being from Florida, especially, you know, we're, we're so like we're inbred with that with that mindset just that you know that you just got to play hard you're gonna have to play hard you're gonna have to be a dog because that's just what we taught so i carry that same mindset to college no matter who i'm lining up against i want to make you earn every catch every yard and that's just like how i'm going to be for the whole game it's mm-hmm. awesome so we you know i kind of mentioned a little bit when we we're talking about some of the coaching but you know, as as fans of Badger football and and being you know podcasting, um, we've we've heard like the term a new era. So, do the players like say like share that same sense of you know we're in the new era of Wisconsin football? Like, is that a, the same amongst the players as it feels like it is against the fans? Um, I think so. You know, like because um, with uh, Coach Fickle and him bringing in the guys he he's bringing in with the including staff and players, I think it's something that we're all embracing. We're all embracing change. We've seen uh, Coach Fickle what he was able to do with Cincinnati. His resume is amazing. You know, being able to take them and turn them into a contender in the college football playoffs and stuff like that. And so we're we're like I think I don't just speak for myself when I say we're all excited. You know, excited for the change, excited for what's to come and excited for just the plan that they have for us. So I think we're all embracing that new era and everything like that. I like the, I like the phrase embracing change. I like that you brought that up. That's a, that's a good approach. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so, yeah, actually going kind of, you know, piggy banking off, off that. So you kind of mentioned before you, you've been in contact with Jonas 
Um, have you ever had a chance to talk to some of the other recruits, like the Amar Amari Snowdens of the world, Jonas, obviously, AJ Tisdale, you know, any sort of like other new guys coming in on the secondary, perhaps, or anything along those lines? Um, yeah, so I have I've been able to talk, like I said, I hosted uh Jonas. I also hosted uh Jace a little bit back uh for his uh recruiting visit and uh I had a brief conversation with AJ Tisdale when he was up here and I also talked to uh Justin Taylor a lot a couple of times you know okay. he comes, he, yeah he comes up here like he's been up here a decent amount of time so I've been I've been able to have a couple of conversations with uh all of them and uh I haven't talked to Amari Snowden yet but uh, I decided to meet him when when I get up uh when I get back uh but yeah I've been able to talk to him those guys are just all of them are hungry, and I love that because uh, it, it's cool to see the guys come in with like a. Them guys are ready to come in hungry with a with a great mentality, you know, to just to get the work. And I'm I'm excited for all of them. We're trying to get Amari Snowden on the show. Actually, I sent him a couple messages this morning, so I'd be trying to beat you to talk to him. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, now that you say that, Tyler, that's, that's pretty funny. Man. <laughs> Try to get the whole team on the show. Yeah. Um, so we got there's a whole bunch of new recruits. There's transfers coming in. Obviously, there's guys that are sticking around on the team. Um, like, how do you view competition in the, in the defensive backstrom? Like, we talked to Cole Crew a little bit about this. This was even before Tanner Mordecai and um, Braden Locke had announced that they were transferring to Wisconsin. We asked him about how he views competition in the quarterback room. Um, like, how do you view competition amongst the the DBs? Is that something that you think about um i think it's going to be great you know competition is always great because it it breeds competitiveness and it breeds like the best level out of everybody i think with uh even like even if we look into last season when uh we brought in three transfers with jay shaw cedric dork and justin clark and i think that really helped bring the best out of everybody in the uh, db room just going through spring and going through summer it was so competitive and i think i think that's always excellent you know you can never have too much competition because you want to you want your guys, everybody in your room, just to maximize their potential and be the best that they can be. So I think uh, the competition we're going to have is going to be great. And I'm just like, I'm excited to see everybody, bring, like everybody bring the best out of all of them and just like play ball to their best best potential because it's only going to make us better as a team going forward. So I think it's going to be amazing. I really appreciate that answer. Like it's because it's, you know, it's something that we might expect somebody to say is, you know, it's the, the iron sharpens iron type thing, but it's really being fans. Like we spend a fair amount of time on social media. So like, I see what a lot of people are saying on social media, which I'm glad to hear. Like when we had CJ gets on, like he said, he doesn't really pay attention to it, which mm -hmm. is good because it's honestly, it's not always a great place to be, but seeing what a lot of people will say is like, Oh, they're bringing in, this guy and this guy and this guy and they're this guy transferred in and they got these new recruits. So Ricardo Holman might be disgruntled because they're bringing in all these new guys. So hearing from you that that's not the case, I think it just kind of adds to the fact that, you know, like athletes are people and they're all on the same team and they all want each other to succeed. And like the, the wanting to push each other to get better thing is always something that's like healthy competition. Not that it's, you know, there's more people here. So now, I'm only worried about, you know, that I'm going to play less or something like that, but it, it makes you want to elevate, not, you know, shrink. Yes, so sir. That's, that's why I, I do appreciate that, that type of answer. So. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. 
So going to like the Big Ten as a whole, I mean, obviously there's been a couple changes, you know, starting in 2024. What are your thoughts on, you know, schools like UCLA and USC jo joining the, uh, the Big Ten? And I'm sure there's going to be more down. There might be more schools down the line eventually. But as of now, with you know, because they're going to be they're going to be starting in with the Big Ten when you're going to be like a senior. Uh, yeah, a junior, I believe, junior or senior. So. Uh, you'll be right in the thick of things. So what are your thoughts on UCLA and USC joining you guys? Uh, shoot, I don't even know what to think. I mean, I think it's pretty cool, you know, uh, that we're going to get the chance to battle some West Coast boys almost every year. You know, I wonder how they're going to adjust that, you know, adjust to that because with the playing in the wintertime and it's freezing cold, mm -hmm. you know, they're not used to that. But I think I think it's pretty cool, you know, it's going to give us give us opportunity just to play everybody and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna work out for them, but I think it, I think it, I think it's, I think it's gonna be really fun. I think it's gonna be cool to play guys from the West Coast and stuff like that. Hopefully, be hopefully it'll be a long ass plane ride for them after you guys serve them some L's at uh, yes, Camp sir. Randall. Definitely <laughs> gonna do that. Definitely gonna do that. <laughs> so I want to throw. Jake wasn't able to join the show today, but I want to be able to throw out a question that he wanted to ask you, and. Um, he wanted to ask you about all the quarterbacks actually that are that are transferring in and committing. Um, he wanted to ask in relation to that with football being a team game, um, do you do you think about being able to play more freely with the offense potentially scoring more and at a quicker pace? Um, you know, is that something that you think about or is it just you know I'm here to play defense? And you know I'm here to to guard opposing wide receivers, or do you kind of think about the offense and what that could do to affect the defense as well? Um, just just kind of on the fence about like both options because you know um, obviously like I I came here to play corner, I played there to guard receivers and stuff like that, but you can't help but be excited like with uh, Phil Longo and his resume in North Carolina, what he was able to do with Duke May and stuff like that. I think it's pretty cool, you know, uh, kind of we're getting like quarterbacks in here like every other day, which is, which is pretty cool. So there's going to be a lot of competition in that room too, but just uh, I'm excited for all our, all our guys, you know, the receivers come in, the receivers that we have with Skylar Bell, Chimera, Chimera DK, Keontae Lewis. It's going to be really fun just to see those guys kind of be able to like kind of grow out of the offense they was in to like be able to be more competitive. And I think it's going to be super fun uh, watching them guys go, and just like being being dominated on both sides of the ball, and I really think with this uh new scheme that they're having, and hopefully hopefully this can be the cost of that, and we can just be able to be dominant on both sides of the ball. That'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah. Mike was a big uh, was a big Skyler Bell guy. He called him out uh, before before Jake and I got him. But uh, I'm a I'm a Kimmeray DK fan, so I like watching all of you guys. But it's <laughs> it's really fun. But um, we we're pretty much just like. Damn, is it time for spring practice to start yet? We're just so excited to start hearing about you guys practicing and stuff like that and hearing how this team's going to kind of shape up. But um, for you personally, do you have any goals for spring practice? Um, Just, you know, to uh, kind of – I had a – like coming into this year, I had a really good spring practice. So just kind of elevate, elevate from there. Just take my game to the next level, uh, work on all the things that I want to get better at and just uh, kind of become more complete. Going into going into the summer and going into the season, just uh, yeah, having that sense of completeness within myself and just uh, just to keep elevating my game. Cool. 
Yeah, we're all, we're all excited. That's for sure. I always keep telling Tyler and Jake if he was on that. Hey, spring practice it just started last week already. So we're we're <laughs> we're just at that point already, uh, and we're we're just fired up to see you guys uh, right uh, get get the pads or not even get the pads on, but start start working already. I know you're you're resting a little bit, but I, I'm just an anxious uh, anxious fan fan over here. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait. Yeah. And then we, we wanted to, because we love uh, this guy so so much, uh, we wanted to ask you about, you know, what does, and I think, and I believe he played a big part in your recruitment as well. Uh, we've talked about him quite quite a bit on this show. Uh, what does, what would you say, what does Jim Leonard, you know, mean to you overall? Because I'm sure he played a part in your recruitment. He's obviously been with you your first two years um, at, at Wisconsin. You know, we love him to death. We just want to know, like, what does he mean to you overall? Oh, uh, yeah, Coach Coach Leonard meant a lot to me. You know, uh, the biggest factor, as you guys said, he was the biggest factor in my recruitment, just uh, coming down to my school and offering me and making me feel like a priority all the time in my recruitment process. I think uh, he means a lot, and not just to me, just to everybody on the team, you know, uh, we're kind of we're kind of shocked when he wasn't when we heard he wasn't going to be the guy moving forward because you know that was what everybody was rooting for at the moment. But uh, he means a lot, and I wish him nothing but the best because you know for to do what he did, just uh, even his career here as a football player to come in as a walk on or a scholarship, be an All American, and just bring that bring it bring it back to Madison and just be the great coach he was. You know, he impacted a lot of guys on our team, and I think. Um, that speaks for I can speak for everyone. I says that uh, I said so. He meant a lot to me, and uh, he's a he, he was a great dude and a great a great coach, but even a, a better person. So, wish him nothing but the best. Is there like um like an ideal position that you'd like to see him in? Like you know whether it be the NFL or a different coaching position or something like that. Is there somewhere that you think would be like a good spot that you'd like to see him at? Um. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully next step is in the NFL for him because you know I know he's been kind of on that border for a little minute now. So hopefully uh, next step we can see him in the NFL and uh, win the Super Bowls out there with his respective team. So that would be pretty fun to see him uh, wherever he goes. I'm pretty sure you know he has a lot of options, but whatever he takes him, I'm pretty excited for him. Being in Wisconsin, like Packers fans are just clamoring for him to be the defensive <laughs> coordinator of the Packers. It would just be like a a perfect full circle fit for him to go from Wisconsin to the NFL, back to Wisconsin, back to the NFL and, and be with the Green Bay Packers in Wisconsin. So I think that's yeah. what a lot of people want to see. But um, so we've asked you a whole bunch of questions and, you know, we like I personally like I'm a fan of Wisconsin football. So being able to do this show and be able to get into contact with players that are on the team and stuff like that, that's really cool for me. And it's I really I take it seriously that I'm able to, you know, whoever's watching for Badgers fans be able to, to get a little bit closer to the players. Cause that's something that I like, like, and that's, that's really cool for me, but is there anything that you would want to say to, to Badgers fans um, or, you know, anything you would want Badgers fans to know about you, about the team, anything like that? Uh, Just like, yeah, we're, we're excited moving forward, you know, um, we know we know these past couple of years have been a little bit underachieving, but you know we're excited to get back get back on the road and just kind of bring you guys. I think I don't know. I'm really excited about this new team. Really excited about the new area. And I, hopefully, we can bring you guys a championship soon. And like I know everybody's ready to get to work, and 
it's it's gonna it's gonna be really fun, and I'm glad you guys can all enjoy the ride because it's gonna be super fun. So I can't wait. Definitely having a lot of fun already, and like I said, with the the Luke Fickle bat signal, that's <laughs> every time oh, man. every time Luke Fickle we Wisconsin, we're just like, who is it? Who's coming now? Who is it? Who's <laughs> yeah. next? It's, it's just, so it's contagious. <laughs> uh, well, I want to thank you again. Like it's it's seriously it's it's a really cool thing for me to to grow up as a Wisconsin uh, football fan. You know, watch Badger games with my dad, and you know, Saturdays it's like it's college football day, and now being able to actually talk to college football players, it's really cool. And I really appreciate you taking the time to to join us, and we would love to have you back. You know, once spring practice starts or as it gets closer to the season, because it's it's really fun, and I think it's really insightful to be able to talk to you guys in person. So I really, again, I just want to thank you for your time and thank you for joining us. Yeah, of thank course. you very much, Ricardo. <laughs> of course, man. Thank you guys for the opportunity. You know, uh, whenever whenever you guys want me to join in again, you know, just hit me up. I'm I'm always down to join. But thank you guys for the opportunity. Oh, awesome. yeah. Thank you. Hey, have a have a good rest of your a good rest of your Wednesday night and enjoy Florida where it's warm. Yeah, uh, you guys too. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Take care. Yeah. Thank you again. Yeah. You know, I I really really love you know this. I we kind of touched base on on it Tyler during the interview, but um, between you know what CJ's answers were, Cole's, and now Ricardo's, the whole uh, like stay meant the mentally strong parts, like their answers, their detail, and I think that's that's my favorite part about these segments that we that have been occurring. Um, they just go so much into de detail about that. And it's really, really cool to hear, you know, the types of things that they do behind the scenes that, um, yeah. you know, it's, you know, no, no, like, I feel like the average to maybe below average fan doesn't like realize like a lot of stuff that's going on behind yeah. the scenes. I kind of mentioned that in the interview, but um, I just love hearing the perspective, you know, about what those guys say, like what does, in fact, go on behind the scenes in that perspective. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's the third player we've had with that. And, uh, you know, I'm anxious to talk to more players just in yeah. regards to that. I mean, specifically, um, that's been my yeah. favorite part. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's really cool because it, it relates to why Jake and I have taken this approach with the show that we've taken and, and wanting to relate it to mental health and then being able to hopefully kind of relate that to fans, you know, like, Hey, these, these guys are athletes, but they are people, you know, you're not just watching number two on the Badgers, the guy inside the helmet. Like there's, there's a, there's a regular person in there. And I think it's, you know, you brought up that it's like the coolest part of asking these questions. I think it's also the most like relatable part is, you know, yeah. seeing that these guys, even though they're in college and they're looking at potentially NFL careers that they're still, you know, they still have, you know, thoughts that are, Human. <laughs> you know, not always positive. You know, that's not, a, you know, necessarily yeah. how it is. But I think it's really cool that we've had three players on here, and all three players have given three different answers on how they take mm -hmm. care of and protect their mental health. So I think that's really cool. Actually, it's different approaches. Um, is is really cool. So that's, I think that's what I like about it the most is getting different, different insights and different answers on the same question. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, very, very detailed too. Um, yeah. very, very well, well detailed. That's another thing that stuck out to me. And um, I mean, I love the positivity about uh, Coach Vic. Well, yeah. what, what he said as well. Um, 
I think at the end of the day, he it, like he just seems like a you know a, a typical not I shouldn't say typical. He seems like a a, a well-rounded blue-collar mentality Midwestern uh, yeah. individual that you know is going to end up blending well with the the Wisconsin fan base um, yeah. overall and collectively. I think it's really cool. You know, we've we've talked to three guys now, and we're getting consistent answers on. You know, they all love what their their viewpoint is of the future and their vision. The vision—that's the word. The vision mm-hmm. for the future, and you know, all of these players and now all these transfers that we're seeing constantly coming in—they're all very consistent in the fact that they're all fired up about the vision. So for mm-hmm. Luke Fickle to be able to communicate all this in such a short time, we're talking barely a month of Luke Fickle being here, and he's yeah. got just an entire auditorium full of players who are excited about what this guy is thinking for the future, and he's been out recruiting. We've seen him at yeah. like, what at a handful of Wisconsin high schools already. He's got a lot of shit on his plate. Yeah. And oh, he's doing all that in a month and a week. Yeah. Seems like he can conduct a room, that's for sure. Granted, maybe I don't know if all the players have been in the locker room at once with him him yet, but um he seems to know at least what to say to these guys who whoever he's been talking yeah. to, assuming it's been to every uh player on the roster by now. Um but he, he definitely seems to have the um the best uh, intention uh, intentions for everybody. Um, he's going to have, I think he's going to have these guys all fired up and ready to go for spring practice. Um, I have zero doubts about that at this point, especially after hearing, you know, what Ricardo's saying and then obviously what CJ said and Cole. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I mentioned it to him in the interview. Like, I wish spring ball would have started last week already. I'm still, there's no question I still have that same uh, same view at this point. All right. So that's fun. It's it's really it's really cool and it's like it's still it still gets me super excited that now in the last month we've had three Wisconsin Badgers players on the show. That's that's the yeah. coolest fucking thing to me. Like I can't like it's it it makes me excited like a little kid, even though I'm older than the three guys that we've had on. <laughs> so it's Yeah, no, that's cool as hell, man. And I I love hearing the perspective. I like I mentioned it already, but um, I love hearing like what college kids just go through when they step foot on campus or even prior to, I just, just the, the process of getting recruited and then first getting on the campus and just stuff behind the scenes, I guess at the, at the end of the day, I just love hearing mm-hmm. about what, what happens with that. So, yeah. um, and everyone's got a different story for the, for the mo- most part, I would say too, a uh, different background and, yeah. um, no, it's just it's just cool cool to hear from the actual players, and I don't know we're at, you're on a hot streak here, so hopefully you'll get uh, a few more players more, coming dude. in. Always and apparently, apparently you have you have more of a connection with Amari Stone than Ricardo does, so you got that going for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I got one DM answer back. That's all I got. That's yeah. all I got. But I'm yeah. working on it. It might um, be more than what he has. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'm trying. Yeah um all right simon what's up simon what's up dan what's up james um you know um i was i was gonna mention this at the top of the show and i didn't until we kind of got in the middle until i asked his question but i just want to let people know jake is not going to be on the show today um he's got a bit of a family emergency going on so we're definitely sending good vibes jake's way 
Um, so it will be, I knew it's you, James. I've seen you on here before on your YouTube page. Um, <laughs> Bill, it's, I cannot agree with this comment more. I'm going to put it on the screen. Bill said the competition level in spring ball is going to be insane. Mike, let me ask you, while we're on the subject of Wisconsin football, what position group are you most excited for the competition? I feel like there's there's I two mean, answers, but which one is it for you? Oh my god. Like I I am so excited about that. First and foremost, if I I'm just too excited about this this competition. This is something that we need. I mean, I'm gonna say I'll say the most obvious one if we're gonna be honest here. I'm gonna say quarterback for the quarterback room. I mean <laughs> I think we're up to seven quarterbacks now. So, well, no, maybe it's it is only six. I think I'm counting Mabry Matoyer, but uh, you got Tanner Mordecai, you got Chase, Chase Wolf, yep. um, Evers, Evers, Burkett, uh, Brayden Locke, and then yep. uh, the walk on Marshall Ho, I believe. I think that's six, and then Cole Crew. So it is. Cole so it is early. seven. Yeah, so Crew is an early involvement, so he's going to be at spring practice. And he might be there now, to be honest, or he might just be getting there now or in the he next week. He was so, going, but. he was packing when he was on the show. He said he was packing. He said he was leaving like after, um, like he was leaving. That's why he wasn't going to the bowl game because that's when he was, when he was moving. So okay. he, he's probably already there. He's probably went early so he can get his all his dorm room set up and stuff like that. So I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's already there. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. I suppose, but. I think going back to like, you know, the competition, I think it sets us well. It sets us up well perfectly. I mean, God, unless something dramatic happens, I think Tanner Mordecai is gonna end up being the starter for yeah, us. That being that being said, you know, Chase Wolf is coming back. So let's say, God forbid, something happens to Tanner. Well, we have a guy in Chase Wolf that has that experience that can come in and play right. if need be. And then we got a bunch of young guys that are can learn the Phil Longo system for a right. year, a couple seasons, and then we're just gonna have an all-out quarterback competition. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. Tyler Iron sharpens iron. I think that is the concept in this case. I mean, yeah. you look at even and I did see a couple tweets on this before. Kirby Smart actually um, uh, made made a good point about this after the national championship game. It's just like in, in he basically goes on to say that we have a lot of just a lot of hard workers in general. And as long as there's no sort sense of entitlement with any of these guys and you work hard, that's going to bring the best out of our whole team. So I feel like that's the kind of mentality that we definitely are going to have with this team as well, especially when Fick, Coach Fick is running the ship. Uh, I'm so excited for the, the quarterback room. I'll let you touch base on a, another position group, I guess. But um, end of the day, no, this is. Um, I don't think we've ever had a quarterback room like this. That's not to take anything away from any of the quarterbacks that have played for Wisconsin no. in the past, but um, it's it's just clear as day what their objective is, and I think that's just to end up getting the best possible guy. And I think um, all these kids are 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 on board with you know with the competition and yep. getting that best guy to help our team to win. Yep. So that's what we want at the end of the day. And I think you know. I, yeah, I couldn't be more excited for, personally, and I'm not. I am not discounting any quarter, quarterback at all. I think any of them have a chance to become, become great. Um, you know, right. from you know Cola, Cola Crew to Evers to Brandon Locke. I just love that competition 
aspect that's going to be yeah. that's going to be had. So uh, couldn't be more excited. Um, Bill also said it's good for the players too. media relations will be a big part when they get to the NFL. Hey, I appreciate that, Bill. That makes me feel good. Um, you know, it's <clears throat> from my perspective, it's still it's still a little um, surreal you know, reaching out to Badgers players and being like, Hey, would you want to come on this Wisconsin sports show? And then being like, yeah, I'd love to. And then, you know, them being as excited to be on the show as I am to have them on the show. It's, it's really cool experience. And it's, it gives me like a sense of motivation to continue working harder on it and to, you know, to further my, my goals of this being my career someday. So that's, it's a cool thing to to have that validation. Um, James said, this is one of my favorite quotes, and I'm going to apply it to sports debates. One person, regardless of who they are and what they know, saying a thing is not evidence of any other thing, anything other than they said it, if they, indeed they did. Yeah, James, that, that applies to a lot of things. Um, definitely, and that's definitely something that people need to, to keep in mind. Um, Bill also said the players have to be feeling the excitement from the fans. They're going to feed off of that too. I, I want to yeah. know yeah. where the sense of, um, you know, the excitement that, that fans get or that, um, players get from the fans. Cause like, I know like when we asked CJ gets a couple weeks ago, if he pays attention to social media, he said he really doesn't, he tries to stay away from it. I'm sure to a point they're all active on it. You know, like we, yeah. we see guys retweeting, you know, not only the, the new arrivals, but like guys that they've been friends with, whether it's people from all American games, or now we're looking at the, the possible connection of Nick Evers to CJ Williams, who would get me to the other wide receivers, um, the other room that I would say I'm most excited for the competition at spring ball is wide receiver. That's the other position that I'm super excited for with Quincy Burroughs coming in and Will Paul and coming in from Cincinnati. We're probably probably going to have to wait until this weekend at the very least. So probably next Monday at the earliest, I would say, when we're going to know about C.J. Williams because he has yep. at least two more visits, if not three coming up. I know he visited Wisconsin and West Virginia this past weekend. And there's a lot of um, – there's the connection between um, Nick Evers and C.J. Williams that kind of has a little bit of a leg up for Wisconsin. Um, he's tweeted some things about Wisconsin that, you know, have people kind of convinced that he's coming here. But um, until it's actually announced that that CJ Williams is coming to Wisconsin, I'm just going to continue to hope that he's going to be the next bat signal that's coming uh, from Luke Fickle. But, um, you know, we kind of just got to wait, I'd say probably at least another five days or so before we find out if he's coming to Wisconsin or not. But the wide receiver room with new guys coming in, and I think the Badgers actually had some pretty solid wide receivers last year. Like, I really like Kimmery Dickey. Oh, they did. You were a Skyler yeah. Bell guy. We saw Keontes Lewis, who at, at certain points of the season, I know I've said it, that I think he's the Badgers' best deep threat on the team. I mean, Marcus Allen, we still, like, he's kind of coming back. He's going to have to earn it. I mean. Yeah, he's going to have to earn back some respect from fans to to transfer out when Paul Chris got fired, you know, commit to Minnesota and then be like, psych, I'm staying. Yeah. He's going to have to earn his stripes for sure. And I mean, it's not going to get in my, just in my personal view, I don't think it's going to get any easy 
for him, especially with these new guys coming in that are just as hungry, if not more hungry, even and have something to prove. So, um, no, I, I this receiving group, I mean, there was it was good. I thought that was one of the, you know, it was one of the better groups, I think, collectively versus all like other position groups on our team sure. this past season. I mean, DK yeah. is definitely no scrub scholar, but like you said, Keontae is Lewis, Flash, Marcus did Flash with Dean Ingram, Flash a yeah, few yeah. times, even. Yeah, on a couple catches, and he it, he's the return guy again this next this upcoming season. So yep. um, there's a lot of optimism, I, I think, in in that group. And man, that that competition is going to be very insane. Uh, but I'm I'm all about it, man. I'm so I'm looking for, forward to that for sure. I know. I just I just want spring practice to start so we can start getting some reports on how some of these things oh. are going to shake out and how some of these competitions are going and the relationships that these guys are going to build is going to be part of this too. Like, um, yep. like CJ gets when he was on, he talked about being friends with a bunch of the tight ends and some of the offensive linemen and stuff like that. Like seeing these relationships build too is, is part of this. That's, it doesn't go quite as noticed as, you know, just the performances and the box scores and stuff, but it's yeah. something that we, you know, we like that nuance and we want to get a little bit deeper into those things. And that's why it's cool having the guys on the show to actually talk to them about it. But that to me has always been one of the main reasons that the Badgers deserved another bowl game. You know, just because they finished six and six, that was the requirement. That was all they needed to do to get a bowl game. Mm -hmm. So seeing a lot of fans saying they don't deserve it, they don't deserve it. Like these guys now all go get to play another game with their teammates. You know, that's one of the biggest things that guys talk about wanting to be here for. Ricardo Holman literally just told us that the culture, his teammates, you know, the school, that's why he didn't really ever consider the transfer portal. It was a thought that popped up in his head and he shut it down. Like he yeah. decided that that wasn't even something he was going to consider doing because of the people that are around. So having an opportunity to strengthen that chemistry, regardless of what your record was and being able to build on something, have some momentum going into the off season, you know, the Badgers right. being able to get a win in that game, that that might have boosted Jay Shaw's draft stock, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, we got to see the new coaches in action a little bit. Um, and like I said, just building chemistry with teammates and stuff. Yeah, the camaraderie. I mean, you, we have a lot of guys returning next year. Um, yeah. That's it's, it, was, it was another opportunity to learn about our strengths and maybe some stuff that we can work on, too. So, um, no, I mean – Shit, yes, another another day to play with your brothers too at the end of the day yeah. go, that you've gone to battle with and spring ball and obviously fall ball through the hot days and the pain in the ass days and uh, <laughs> yeah, everything everything in between that doesn't necessarily go public. <laughs> oh, I got excited. I saw former USC wide receiver and I was like, Oh, do we get news? Oh I know man. I Literally five minutes ago, I said we're probably gonna have to wait till next week, and then I see this, and I'm like, oh my god, I get excited. No bad, uh, no bad signal. Jumped into the transfer portal earlier in the okay. week and wasted no time reaching out, and he has two visits lined up this weekend. Okay. I saw USC wide receiver. I got excited. I was like, maybe he's just gonna skip his other visits. I, I would, I would get excited too. I mean, I'm just that, those damn bad signals, man. I'm waiting for it. Yeah, that one came from uh, the. Um, following the transfer portal thing on, on Twitter and just keeping an eye on that. Um, all right. Is there anything else you want to say on the note of Badger football? 
should be good to go for the most part. I think we addressed everything. I just, you know, you can't you can't help but be excited for you know all these new recruits coming in, whether they're 2023 kids, 2023, 2024, just from the transfer portal. Um, you know, it seems like we have the right staff that's uh, steering the ship uh, in in the in a positive direction and. It's clear as day to me anyway that kids want to still come to Wisconsin to play football. <laughs> That's my uh, consensus. And it really it has been for a long time, but <laughs> this is just a more of a stepping stone uh, to build off to build off of that. I think, yeah. um, you know, it, we're just fortunate if this, you know, whether it's a scheme thing or, you know, whether it's, you know, just Coach Bickle knowing how to work a room. I think it might be both. Uh, no, it's uh no, it it just gets me excited because you, you there's just a lot of interest from kids across the country that hold Wisconsin in a high regard for, you know, playing football at. So, um you you can't help but, you know, be excited about that. For sure. And I think I think the scheme is part of it because I think a lot of the quarterbacks that are coming um yeah. are coming because of Phil Longo almost more than Luke Fickle, even though I'm I'm sure they're both large parts of it. Yeah, there's no no question about it. I mean, it's a, it's just a different system that's more it, it you know it aims to please you know those types of quarterbacks and a couple of those quarterbacks have made made it to the NFL recently too in Longo's system. I mean, what's not gonna that's obviously gonna attract you know some kids for sure. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's. It's good. I mean, like I said, this is leading to really good competition uh, soon to be in the quarterback room. And I uh, can't, yeah, you just can't help but be excited. I think I did see a tweet today. It was actually pre- pretty funny. Uh, somebody had like the state of Texas in a tweet and they named it Longo instead of Texas because literally all these quarterbacks that he's getting are from like the state of Texas originally. Uh, so that, that was pretty uh, funny to see. Yeah, so and I shared, the, I shared the meme yesterday of, of the sheriffs breaking down the door, and it's Phil Longo breaking down the door to the quarterback room, and it's it's Tanner Mordecai and um, Braden Locke and Nick Evers and Cole LaCrue and maybe Metauer following him in. Um, it's definitely the deepest quarterback room, I would say, that the Badgers have ever had. Um, mm-hmm. And we're excited. We're excited to get it moving, but – we're going to switch to basketball. I'm going to give the the quick power pair and the underrated performers. Um, Jake asked me to pass his along. Jake had Stephen Crowell and Chucky Hepburn. And I also had Stephen Crowell on my list. In the last week um, for the two games, he was 18 of 35 on field goals, which included two for 10 behind the three-point line, which is which is pretty rough. Like he's had a rough go from behind the three-point line. But that means that he was 16 for 25 inside the three-point line, which is fantastic. I know we talked about it a little bit last night the three of us about Stephen Crowell's offense being a little bit better, which we can get into in some of the games. But um, Jake's underrated performer, he went with Carter Gilmore. I went with Marcus mm-hmm. Ilver. Um, basically both guys filling in for the injured Tyler Wall. So that's, I think, where that came in for both of us. But let's start with the Illinois game. Um, a little less interesting of a game, but no Stephen Crowell, or no, not no Stephen Crowell, no Tyler Wall. Stephen Crowell, it seems like, with Tyler Wall absent from the lineup, uh, Greg Gard is going to the bench a little bit earlier and subbing Stephen Crowell in before the 16-minute mark even is what I've noticed at the beginning of the games and the beginning of halves. 
um, is like right around 16 minutes, even with a little bit of change on there, that that's when he's going to Chris Hodges, Marcus Silver, um, and, you know, starting Carter Gilmore. But what did you see from that Wisconsin and Illinois game that stood out to you? Um, you know, it's, I, I can't say I, I was too like shocked on how, how, how it turned out. I mean, I told you and Jake about it going into it, but I thought it was a little at first, a little deer in the headlights, so to speak, which is very, very understandable. I mean, Tyler Wall, you can argue has been the like glue to this team for the last well season and a half, at least yeah. if not too full two two and a half seasons. So, yeah. um, you know, it was, it definitely took a little bit of an adjustment on our end. Um, you, you saw, you, you kind of touched base on it, but you saw Marcus Ilver get 19 minutes uh, in that Illinois game. And we might have seen him combined 19 minutes prior to that, you know, leading up to this game. So um, the one thing, and I mentioned it to you and Jake la last night in the chat. Um, the one thing I do love personally about Marcus Ilver is he's not shy from the moment at all. He has mm -hmm. no problem, you know, coming in and, you know, whether that's trying to make a three right off the bat or, uh, just doing, uh, making, making a play, I guess that that's the best way to, to put it, whether it's the right one or not necessarily, that's, you know, that's a conversation for another time, but I just like his initiative. Like as soon as he comes in, he wants to come in and contribute right away. So that's one thing that like stands out to me about Marcus's game. Um, and then like in the, in this, in the Illinois game overall, I mean, you just, Stephen Crowell put on a good performance in, in the second half, I thought. That was kind of like we'll touch base on that in the Michigan State game as well, but that just seems to be the common theme uh, with him. Uh, the one thing that I think Illinois did a really good job on um, defensively was they did hold uh, a siege in check. He did not uh, get any like good many good shots off at all. I mean, yeah. he made one three, and I think the two other ones that he took weren't the cleanest looks in the world either. So, and I think in comparison to who we've all played this year, I think that Illinois guarded the siege in the best. And I don't think it's close. Um, they yeah. had a really good um, scheme, a scheme with him. Um, you know, Car Carter Gilmore for his first start. I mean, you know, he, he played 30 minutes that that's another thing that stands out as well. I think guarding this coach guard and this staff definitely holds them in high regard on this team, whether, you know, fans like it or not, obviously does he make all the, all the right plays? No, but you know, He's definitely going to be a go-to guy the rest of the year. That's yep. clear as day. Um, yep. It was nice to see. I mean, it was he only got on the floor for maybe five minutes, but you know we got to see flashes of Chris Hodges in there. Granted, he picked up two to three two fouls. I think right? he picked up two yeah. quick fouls when he came in at the seven-minute mark. Two quick ones. <laughs> yeah, and that just kind of goes back to my point about like the deer in the headlights type thing. It's something that I was kind of—I don't want to say I was expecting, but it wouldn't surprise me if that sort of thing happened playing at Illinois, a very tough place to play at. Um, I looked at, you look at their, their record going into it. What was it like eight and five? And um, I don't know. They didn't have a conference win yet. Uh, I didn't like, I did not take that into consideration for one second. I know the Illinois basketball program is still solid right now under coach Underwood. I did not think for a second that this was going to be a, a cakewalk or a win by any means, yeah. because that team in my view is still good with Matthew Mayer, um, Hawkins, who I, I'll let you, I'll let you touch base on that stat. But uh, with Terrence Shannon, obviously he's a baller. Like he, he took us to the glass a bunch. Um, wow. Coming from Texas Tech, Matthew Mayer from Baylor. Um, but no, it was 
it, we we definitely need some work. I mean, without the absence of Wall, clear it's clearly we we're different. But um, you know, there's definitely a few things to look at that were pretty positive too. Chucky did all right, but Stephen Crawl had a big second half, and it's just something that we can build off of going into the next game, which I thought we did. But we'll get to that. And I want to touch on one of the things that you actually brought up as something that the Badgers can build on. That is Marcus Silver. That's why I put him in my uh, my as my honorary performer. Is he came into this game and like you said, like he was going aggressive right away. Actually, he came in. He had like a really nice move in the post and he got a left handed layup, um, like right away. And he was mm-hmm. playing pretty solid defense for a guy who's not, you know, overly fast or overly muscular. Like he's. He's still doing pretty well and holding his own on defense. So I want to give him give him some credit for that. Um, and, you know, you kind of pretty much hit, you know, all the main things. I want to set the precedent for something that I want to talk about as a takeaway that I have from both of these games. And is that the half-court offense needs more movement. Yeah. There is a lot of, like, Chucky Hepburn making an entry pass and then – stands at the top of the key three feet behind the three-point line just waiting to get the ball back yeah that to me is something that's got to change and i'll bring that up again in the michigan state game as far as this game goes the other thing that i want to mention and i don't know if this is just a wisconsin sports thing when it comes to basketball but the badgers and the bucks will both have one game per season where somebody or some team that never makes three-pointers will have a franchise fucking night against the Badgers. It happened to the Bucks, and I'll get to that game from last Friday. But we get to Coleman Hawkins from Illinois, who they felt the need to bring up every single time he hit a three-pointer, that he was shooting 28% on threes coming into this game. And then he was all of a sudden six for nine on threes. So six times during this game, they were like, wow, he came in really struggling. He was four for his last 28 on threes. And now he's, now he's making six of nine against the Badgers. And it's like, that's, it's just one of those, like, you know, of course that has to happen against the Badgers, or of course it has to happen against the Bucks. But I posed the question to you and Jake, and I questioned, could you see, Tyler Wall going into a game and making six of nine threes. Cause that's essentially what we're dealing with here. Yeah. And I told you my answer. <laughs> uh, love, love, love Tyler Wall, but my my answer would be, I don't want to say hell no, but no. <laughs> and you can tell. No. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll make a, another point. But Yeah, that's uh, what I was just going to say. Like, respectfully, no, I could not see that from Tyler Wall. I'd love to. Yeah. But... And I mean, you can tell, like, we schemed for that for for this to go into it. I mean, yeah. Carter Gilmore was the one who was on him, and you know, right in the in the first half. I mean, Carter Gilmore gave him those first two, which yep. you know what, whatever. And I and I would have taken it as a coach. You would have been like, you know what, whatever. We'll give him those two. We can right. live with that. We'll go into the rest of the game. And- What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. We'll play it out, but then makes another one and another one and another one. Mainly in the uh, second half, like when you hit like, I think like three in a row or something like that. It's like, row, yeah. This is just not going to be our day. This is at Illinois. This is just, it's Man, Wisconsin sports. Like, like you said, we just fallen victim, victim to a hot shooter on one day. And I would like to see, I would like to track his stat line for like a few games after ours, just to see if it's actually legit or, but it, it was like, it was kind of like a go figure thing. <laughs> All right. So this is stupid. So going going back to let's start with December 22nd. Coleman Hawkins was 0 for 6 on threes. Next game, 1 for 4 at Northwestern, 2 for 6. Then he goes to the Badgers and he goes 6 of 9. And then last night they played Nebraska and he was 1 for 5 on threes. Back down to 20%. Yeah. So go figure. Yeah, I guess that's the, that's I, the Badgers getting the the shaft there. So I don't, I think I don't know if we play it, play them twice. I, I'm gonna look re- real quick, but uh, we do, we do play them at the end of the month at home. So on the 28th, so it's gonna be interesting. We might for six and nine from three. Watch that guy. It's gonna be interesting to see once, especially when Wall comes back. Is Garo gonna be like, okay, let's just we're gonna shut this dude's ass down right now, put Tyler Wall on him, and He's not even going to get a, a look right. or if they're going to just defend him the same. But no, it's interesting. It's one of those go figure moments. And, yeah. you know, it's not like, and it's not like they weren't beatable even with, it's not, they were very beatable even with us without having Tyler Wall. Like we, granted, we would have had to play a much better game, but it's not like they were unstoppable or any or anything like that. So um, I think one, like we had a chance to win the game. That's right. An encouraging part. Do I want Tyler Wall back? Hell yeah, I do. But I think it's also important to note that it's not like we could have won that game. I think still. So. Right. And that so, kind of ties in yesterday. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Speaking of winnable games, like we can go to the Michigan State game. Um, Tim in the comments said that everybody tries harder when playing the better teams. Tim, hold on to that because I'm gonna come back to it when I talk about the Bucks. So hold that thought. But it's true. But yes, I will come back to it. But Mike, what did you see from the Michigan State game last night that stood out to you? I know we talked during most of this game between you, Jake, and I. But um, what stood out mm-hmm. to you from last night's game? Um, they're definitely uh, giving the green light to Marcus Silver a little more. I mean, he didn't play a few less minutes. Uh, I think it was like 13, 13, 14, 15 minutes. I believe he played last uh, night. You can thirteen. Good job. 13. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, I, he still has. Mark, Marcus Silver still has like that mentality of, hey, I want to come in and make a play right off the bat. Uh, he has no no problem, you know, contribute or at least attempting to contrib- contribute uh, to the team. Uh, bench points, I think, was another thing too. I think we had, I think we had twenty. I think it was, but um, yeah, you know, I did mention from the Illinois game that Connor Seaton was kind of uh, uh, not shut out, so to speak, but in in the Michigan State game, and specifically last night, he had a much better night. Um, yeah. You know, going three or four from three, had a he played twenty eight minutes as well. Yeah. Um, that's can I give you something that, on that? Yeah, 
just because you brought up the bench points and then bringing up shutting down Connor Seijin, and they they tie in really well in this game, is that the Badgers did have 20 bench points, but 17 of them came in the first half. Okay, that's what the it was. only All three right. bench points that came in the second half was the one three that Connor Seijin hit. So Connor Seijin finished with 13 points, but 10 of them were in the first half. So that's a halftime adjustment that Tom Izzo made. And you know, as much as I don't like Michigan State. Ugh, it pains me to say this, but I, I respect the hell out of Tom Izzo. Oh, hell yeah. He's got one of the best minds in basketball. And yeah. he he actually respects Wisconsin. Like mm-hmm. in his post-game interviews last night, he unprompted brought up Tyler Wall. And he yep. was watching some of the highlights of some of the old Wisconsin and Michigan State games and like clapping along. Like he respects the rivalry and he like respects the school, the program and the players, like I said, like Tyler Wall. So that was – I respect Tom Izzo a lot, a lot more than the, the other team if you remove the state part of, of their team name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> I, that's, a good way, that's a good way to put it. Um, no, I mean, you spent, you talk about halftime adjustments. I, I think, you know, at the end of the, end of the day, um, they, he wanted Stephen Crawl to basically – go one-on-one at the post and make shots. And that's where I was kind of tying into um, earlier when I talked about the Illinois game, Stephen Crawl having big second halves for this team specifically. Um, I don't want to say he single-handedly kept us in this game, but, you know, he was a huge, huge part as to why we were right there. Yeah. So I think because you just notice, like, a lot of teams throughout the course of this season, they have double-team Crawl in the post Mm -hmm. quite a bit. They were yep. doing it at times last night too, but I also would say in the second half specifically that he was getting way more one-on-one looks than I mm. think that he's been accustomed to overall, which I think Izzo was basically like, okay, I'm going to give him the tough two-pointer instead of the, the kick out for the three, which yep. because I think he knows this as well as much as I do, at least what I think anyway, we are a much better three-point shooting team this year as well. Um, yep. You know, with last year's team, the schematics might have been a little different in that situation. But I think he was just making Stephen Crawl work for those points and how he would yep. get those in the second half because he obviously knows. And you just talked about bench points uh, with the season. Like it, it, it was all about adjustments. And um, if you ask me, Stephen Crawl definitely answered the call last night with mm-hmm. that. Um, came up short. I mean, Car. I think you know, given the circumstances, Carter Gilmore. Sure, Played a little bit better. I mean, granted, he had a, he did have spurts with Joey Hauser a little a little bit that he got scored on a couple of times. But um, yeah. I think he is getting a little bit better as the season go, goes on. Uh, yeah. And I think and I, and there's one more point I'm I'm gonna bring up before I, I'll let you take over here. I thought, and you mentioned it in the Illinois game as well, and I mentioned in the chat last night. But it's the half court offense at the end of halves, the first or second half, no matter what it is. I just I don't know what kind of a decision like whose decision is this is, and we and you and I agree on this with playing on whether it's like a minute to go, thirty seconds to go in the game, whatever. I love playing. I love the idea of playing on. I just want to know what's our protocol gonna be. What does our protocol need to be? It needs to get fixed because we just cannot afford, in my view, to have Chucky Hepburn Hepburn dribble at the top of the key. And, you know, kind of like it's kind of been the running thing for the last 10 to 15 years, if you think about it, with 
Dimitri Trice, Bronson Kane, Jordan Taylor, like they're all doing some of the similar things, yeah. putting up junk, like most for the most part, like junk shoot it, junk jump shots. I, I, I should word that better, but whether Zero it's from three, shot. whether whether it's a elbow from the elbow, I don't care. I just think like I it just really really startles me that we can't run an actual offensive set for for somebody or at least get chucky a clean look off of right. running a set right get him something get like him a ball screen something like i know there's plenty of game to go after he threw up that that shit shot with like 30 seconds to go i understand yeah. that however we went down by four instantly after yeah. that and i think ultimately we were playing catch up from there and it just did not set us up well at all so um i just think something's got to be corrected with um either end of clock situation or end of half situations when close games. Um, that's one thing that is really, really getting on my nerve and I hope it can get adjusted. But um, yeah, that's the biggest, probably the biggest call out for me at the end of the day with this game. So my thought process on this is it's going to become a learning moment for Chucky Hepburn. Um, he said in his post game that his thought was to get up a quick shot. And if I'm Greg Gard, I'm pulling him aside and saying like, okay, you're trying to get a quick shot, but we need to get a good shot before getting a quick shot because we're under 30 seconds. So there's no two for one opportunity here where mm -hmm. Michigan state runs down the entire shot clock and takes a shot with zero seconds left in the shot clock where we're getting the ball back. So at that point, Badgers might as well, you know, pull the ball out, take their time and get the shot that they want and run the clock down as low as they can. And then look to get, whether it's a two to tie or a three to take the lead. I don't care as long as it's a good shot, because this, this is something for the last two games in a row where the Badgers don't have as much discipline on offense as they do defensively. And when it comes to taking care of the ball, like taking care of the ball is part of the offense, but running an actual offense, the Badgers don't have as much discipline with that. And like I know it works for Stephen Quowell to back down, back down, back down, back down, and then back down, back down, back down, and then try to shoot a jump hook. Like it works for him, and it works for Tyler Wall because they've they've got great footwork, especially Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall's got elite footwork. I don't care if anybody wants to argue with me on that. I will fight you. Tyler Wall has elite footwork. And it seems like some of that is rubbing off on Stephen Crowell, which is fine. You get that post-touch. You give your guys opportunities to score. That's great. Totally great. But running an offense, like I mentioned with the Illinois game, has been a lot of entry pass. And it's two guys running a set on the right-hand side of the court. And the other three guys are fucking watching as yes. those two guys are running sets. But the, it, that, to me... It's it's almost like Badger football where it's like, do we need to consider a philosophy change here? Because yeah. like the Badgers, they're not a super big fast break team, but now they're also not a very intricate half court offense. And I think that's kind of, you know, where I might give Chucky a little bit of a pass on that shot last night. You know, as I'm thinking about this is that, you know, we're in a situation where a lot of times it's isolation basketball. And last night was a perfect example. The Badgers made 25 shots, only had nine assists. So that mentality, there's there's statistical evidence to back up that thought process that, hey, 
Like, it's going to be a one-man game to try to score because, like I said, 25 made shots, only nine of them were assisted. Yeah. There's I a, love the like I love the fact, and you caught you, you kind of touched base on this. I love the fact that we can get like getting the ball into the post. I am all for all yep. the post touches. Get them all, like get on them that, all. On it's, that thought, I I fuck with Jordan Davis in the post a little bit too. But continue. Yeah, no, yeah, I remember you mentioning that, but um, I am all for the post touches. It's what else is going outside, going on outside of that that we need to adjust because clearly, and I mean. We are we're, teams sometimes double us in the post. Michigan State didn't last night. It's just making that sort of adjustment because um, I if we get more post touches, in my view, we we are much better. You know, I mean, Stephen Crawl, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong on this, he's got the most assists, assists on the team, or pretty damn close. He's got to be one or two. So anytime we can get, you know post touches, I'm all for it. But it's what we do outside of that that is obviously very very concerning as well. I mean, there's times when we do feed in the post and we get a crappy shot up, whether it's Steve, Tyler, or whoever else is down there. But the more post touches we get, I think at the end of the day, we'll set us up for success more because teams are going to debate, do we defend the three or do we just let them play down low? Maybe it's going to be a way different once, once and hopefully if Tyler Wall comes back on Saturday. But um, the more post touches, the better at the end of the day. But I would just love to see whether it's more movement or even if you, even what you just said, a different philosophy of some sort, tweak something. But yeah, something has just got to change a little bit, I'm hoping. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. So on assists, Chucky Hepburn averages 3.4, Stephen Kroll averages 3.1. Okay. So, All right, so the Badgers center is averaging 0.3 fewer assists than their point guard. Um, so he could have one good, good game on Saturday and he could be one. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I will say there's still some good things in this game. Um, it's the Badgers offense. It has the opportunity to be fantastic when the ball is moving and the players are moving without the ball. Um, guys are getting more open looks like Connor Sejan was benefiting early in this game. Max Klesman benefited a little bit early in this game from that type of movement. So the Badgers are capable of it. It's just execution of it and continuing to do it, you know, and, and having less of the inbounds pass and okay, I'm going to wait here until I get the ball back. So that's mm-hmm. definitely something as we go forward that I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on. Yeah, is the is the half court offense movement? Um, I do want to give a shout out to um, Chris Hodges for getting his first career points last night. Uh, it was actually a pretty nice post move that he it's had. A nice up and under. Yeah, yeah. very nice very up nice and under for him to get his first uh, his first career points. Uh, I want to give Chucky Hepburn some credit because he had a really tough first half. He still had a pretty tough second half, but. Um, first possession, um, he got Tom Izzo hot because his player went under the screen and Chucky Hepper made him pay by cashing a three right away. And Tom Izzo was just, yeah, hot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it was Chucky Hepper and hit a three, then Michigan State hit a three, and then I think it was, um, oh man, who hit the other three for the Badgers? Was it Klesman or was um... it? This was in the second, in the 
second half. Um, oh, I'm just going to pull it up. I was going to hit that one in the corner if that's the one that you're thinking of. I was I Klesman. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Chucky hits a three. Uh, Hauser hits a three. Klesman hits a three. It seemed like the Badgers actually took confidence from that on defense. So to tie this all together, you get movement on offense, you get better shots, you get better shots, you make more shots, you make more shots. It energizes your team. Your team is energized. You play better defense. You play better defense. You get more opportunities on offense. It it, it can work. Like It's a situation where the Badgers are going to have the ability to beat any team they face. Mm-hmm. They're also going to have opportunities, and it sucks, but it happens. They're going to have opportunities to lose to anybody on, on a given night if they have the right kind of game. Yeah, and we kind of all agreed to that at the – even before the season started, sort of, or at the beginning of the year. so And the, the Green uh, Bay I, game didn't help to quell that. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's one game I forever just want to hey, We got a W. They don't remember. Have to call. They how many. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Next. <laughs> um, I want to give Carter Gilmore some credit. Like, Jake had him as his underrated performer for the week. Um, Carter Gilmore hit a big three late in this game. It ultimately didn't end up resulting in a win, but for Carter Gilmore to hit a clutch three pointer is, you know, that's hopefully something that he can draw confidence from despite the end result, not going the batter's way. But by knowing that in that moment, he hit a big shot. Mm -hmm. So I, I hope that Carter Gilmore is able to take some confidence from that. Um, and I wanted to to make sure to give him some credit for that. So, all I'm right, pretty I, sure too. I, oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna make a quick quick okay, point. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but during that time or right before that, we were literally going on four, maybe even five minutes without a field goal too. So I'm pretty sure it was. Maybe it wasn't that exact possession, but it happened. Maybe it happened right before that. But I know at some point. During close to that time period, we definitely went four to five minutes without a field goal, I believe. But um, so, no, at the end of the day, it was a big, it was a big, big shot. Yeah. And it was, I think, based now that I'm thinking of it, based off the layoff that lineup that we had in the game, I mean, if somebody had to make a play, and you know, fortunately, it was, you know, Gilmore, and it's yeah. only going to help him help help his confidence. So the Badgers. Connor Seijin made his only three-pointer in the second half just under the 10-minute mark. Um, The Badgers at the 7.46 mark got a layup by Stephen Crowell, and then they went two minutes without a field goal. Uh, Chucky Hepper made two free throws in that time, but then um, Carter Gilmore made that three that took them from a two-point lead to a five-point lead. Um, And then, like I said, it didn't end up resulting in a win. But like I said, hopefully that's – something that he can draw confidence from so yeah and we're we're only going to need it especially if you know tyler wall is out again on saturday because at indiana that's definitely not an easy place to play but you know i've talked about uh my thoughts on indiana and uh no i I still think we find a way to win no matter if uh personally i I think we find a way to win no matter what if tyler is playing or not but that's just another uh, conversation for another time Right. And it's, you know, Indiana's tough and it's it'd be a little more confident if they were playing at home. But like I I said this at the beginning of the season when we did our primer, like I like Trace Jackson Davis. Like 
I like watching him play. Like he's, you can tell he loves the game. So like I give him credit for that. Um, and if we want to get the best of him, um, we're going to need Tyler wall and his, and his stout hard nosed defense. Like, I don't give a shit who you are. I'm not afraid of you. Like mindset on the defensive end. Um, yeah. Jake's commenting along. He said Gilmore has massively improved over the last few weeks. I think that goes with Greg Gard's comments. Like I said, when we did the primer, Gilmore was the player that Greg Gard singled out as the player that's improved the most in the offseason. So I think that certainly fits. Um, so if you had to pick win or lose against Indiana, what do you got? We're winning this game. Uh, I think I told you and Jake this before. Uh, I like to draw the I, – I disrespect – I will be the first to admit my disrespect for Indiana basketball is pretty high. I compare them to Nebraska when it comes to football. They are always overhyped going into the year, but they seem to struggle or fail miserably with, you know, the season expectations. Um, I don't know if Indiana is even considered a blue blood anymore in college basketball. Uh, you know, they used to be good back in, you know, your Bob Knight days or, or whatever, but they just yeah. have like, it just seems like to me every single year they just get overhyped. They bring in constant four to five star recruits year, yearly too. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves on that. They bring big time guys into that program. And to me, they just seem to underachieve all the time. And, you know, there's a reason why they have a new coach in there, Mike Woodson on his second year now, but. Um, I just think that the Badgers have had their number. Like, I want to say it's at least, it's got to be at least maybe 12 out of the last 13 times I think we beat Indiana basketball. So that's just another point with uh, why I don't necessarily, like, every time Indiana's ranked high going into a year, like, I don't buy it for one second because we always, always, always compete with Indiana. They do not scare me one bit. I don't care if it's on the road or at home. Um, I still think we fi- find a way to win because it's Indiana. That's that. I have no explanation. It's Indiana. We all we find ways to beat that team. We just do. Um, I think we're gonna. Coach Guard's gonna find find a way to uh, get his guys ready to play at in Bloomington as well. It's a hostile environment. I get that, but we always seem to have Indiana's number, and uh, I, I just the respect I have for the, them. I guess you could say is not the greatest in comparison to a lot of other teams in the Big Ten, but I think we find a way. We squeak it out. Um, if Tyler Wall doesn't play, you know, we now have two games under our belt with, without him. We have some yeah. sort If I know it's two losses, but we also have some sort of camaraderie with, you know, the seven to eight guys that we play um, because now we're obviously bringing in Marcus Silver off the bench more. Asijin's going to play a few more minutes. Um, but and that's like the biggest change for the most part. I mean, Carter Gilmore's played enough. He's going to play 30 minutes a game now, uh, barring, you know, foul trouble or whatever. But uh, right. I just think at the end of the day, we we find a, we just find a way to beat, the, beat Indiana. I don't have a – I'm sorry. I don't have a good explanation from a statistical standpoint. But uh, Jake seems I to just, think Tyler Wall is going to play. Jake said I think, Wall 20 and 10 and batters win versus Indiana. That is be, that's a bold stat line. Wall have a twenty ten game. <laughs> that's a hell of a stat line, and I'm all for it. Uh, I just, I, I think the batters find a way. I just can't see this team going a three game losing streak because I think we're, I don't know, we're we're 
set up for success. I feel feel like yeah. just with the guys we have in the locker room, they're gonna have their heads on straight. Like, right. I don't I don't mean to be I don't mean to brag, but Wisconsin we we don't go on losing streaks like this like hardly right. ever if it's if it gets right. to three games. So uh, I think we're gonna have we're gonna be ready to go uh, going into an environment like that even at Indiana. And uh, I still think we find a way. It might be a grinder. If if you want me to give me a score, want me to give a score right now. Um, give me give me sixty to fifty four Wisconsin sixty to fifty four. Right. It's going to be a grinder. That we'll I do know. We'll check in on it next week, Jake. Write that down. We'll see. Sixty to fifty four. Last week, I predicted the Badgers to go one and one. I really thought they were going to win that Michigan State game, and I really think they should have won that Michigan State game. Yeah. Um, but you know, January is a tough month for the Badgers. I had this this Indiana game circled as a loss. I do. I do think being in Indiana matters and, you know, it's just to be the devil's advocate, you know, you say that the Badgers have won 12 of the last 13, you know, that's just extra motivation for Indiana to be like, Hey, we've lost to them 12 out of the last 13 times we played them. They're coming to our house. Let's, let's beat them by 30. Like I wouldn't predict the Badgers lose by 30, but um, to me, it hinges on Tyler wall. And I'm never going to say that, you know, the Badgers can't win, even if I predict that they don't. Um, so it's, like I said, it's certainly plausible that the Badgers beat any single team they play. But this is just one that I had predicted at the beginning of the season that the Badgers would lose. And that's just how I had it predicted. But we will see next week. Um, I will let you go because you are going to play some basketball yourself. So, I'm going to attempt um, to. No, I'm kidding. But yeah. <laughs> Um, thanks for sticking around to talk Badgers basketball with me while while Jake is taking the night off. Um, no problem. I hope he did problem. you proud. I hope I did you proud, Jake. Thanks for having me on, Tom. Appreciate it. Look forward to being on uh, next time. <laughs> yeah, for the next interview, we'll see. Hopefully, it's Amari Snowden, and it's next Wednesday. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yes. I hope it comes together that quickly. We'll see. But um, yes, hell yeah. <laughs> every day there's more transfers coming in, so. That's just more feelers for me to send out to try to get more guys on the show. So, Yes, sir. I'll look for the bat signal in the meantime. <laughs> yes. All right. Take care. Have a good night, Mike. All right. See you. All right. So I am now on my own for the Bucks part of this. Jake did send me his power pair for the Bucks and his underrated performer and some thoughts that he wanted to mention. Um Jake's power pair for the Bucks was Giannis and Brooke Lopez. I also have Giannis on my list because, like I've said for the last three weeks in a row, Giannis is going to be on the power pair segment every single week for the rest of forever until he retires and is now no longer playing basketball. That's how long he's going to be on the power pair, so we might as well just call this the Giannis pair and whoever is going to put with Giannis. Jake chose Brooke Lopez. I chose... Uh, Bobby Portis, actually, over the last three games, Bobby Portis is averaging 14 points on 59% shooting. He's averaging nine rebounds and had two double-doubles, which I will mention during the Knicks game that that was when his streak was broken. But for underrated performers, um, Jake put Drew Holiday. I went with Marjan Bochamp. It's the first... um, Entry of a Marjan Bochamp into the power pair or underrated performers parts of this. But Marjan Bochamp over the last three games averaged eight points, 3.7 rebounds on 50% shooting and 40% from the three-point line. That to me is 
it's a huge step for Marjan to be shooting with confidence like he has been the last couple weeks, and now for the results to follow. And for Marjan to be shooting 40% from the three-point line over the last week is, is really a culmination of the hard work that we've seen him put in um, and just seeing him continue to grow. I actually wrote an article that came out this morning of three lottery players that Marjan Bochamp is outplaying. And I knew the context of this was going to be that people were going to complain about Budenholzer still not playing him enough. I'm going to stand by this. I think Budenholzer is playing him the perfect amount. You know, it, it might fluctuate game to game. He's going to make some starts here. He's going to have some did not plays in this game. He's going to play five minutes in this one. He's going to play 25 in this one. And it's going to continue to fluctuate like that. But overall, he's averaging 15 minutes per game on the season. I think that's the perfect amount for Marjan Bochamp to be playing on the season is about 15 minutes a game. As he continues developing, I think that's perfect, and I don't expect him to play any more or less on average. So, start with the start with the Raptors game. This was really annoying because it echoed the previous Wednesday's game where the Bucks had a big lead and just a huge comeback, really late stages of it. So, starting with this game. It was a very, very rough first quarter. The the Bucks were winning 13 to 12 after the first quarter. And like I was just thinking, like, oh, here we go. We're gonna get a 1990s final score, and it's gonna be 85 to 82 at the end of this game. And the end of the third quarter just kind of started to cement that in. It was 63 to 59 at the end of the third quarter. Like that's a halftime score in most Bucks games and most NBA games this day and age. But we get to second half, and I really feel that this game, to me, cemented that Pat Connaughton has turned a corner. Um, Pat Connaughton was 5 for 11 on three-pointers in this game. He's really starting to to find his groove offensively. Um, as for the late comeback uh, mounted by the Toronto Raptors, Mike Budenholzer did say that he thinks he pulled the starters just a little bit too early. Um, and then Fred Van Vliet, noted Bucks killer, just started making a whole bunch of threes in rhythm from dribble pull-ups, whatever. Um, Toronto strung some back-to-back scoring drives together. They scored six points within, um, I want to say it was like eight to ten seconds twice in that stretch where they were coming back from the lead that the Bucks had. And the last two-minute report from the refs did show that Bobby Portis, when he was – guided out of bounds and it was called out of bounds uh, that there should have been a foul called for that. So this game did go into overtime, but it really shouldn't have because that should have been a foul call. The refs admitted it should have been a foul call. I'm like re-watching the game and I'm like, how was that not a foul call? But it wasn't. Thankfully, it didn't end up mattering. The Bucks did win in overtime. Um, when it gets to the overtime part of this game, I want to give... Oh, all right, I'll start with Giannis. I'm going to give Giannis credit because he made a great pass to to drive to the paint and have basically five guys' attention on him and to still be able to have the court awareness to have a wraparound pass to Grayson Allen who made the three that sealed the game. But honestly, I want to give Grayson Allen more credit for the way he played in overtime than I want to give to Giannis. Because Grayson Allen, first he had a drive to the basket and a drop off to Bobby Portis who got a layup. So that's an assist. Then his next possession, he drove to the basket. He slowed down his speed. He got a two-step layup. So that's two points and an assist. And then he hit the three in the corner that Giannis made the pass to him. 
that's five points and an assist. That's seven points in the fourth, or uh, sorry, in the overtime that Grayson Allen was a part of, and the Bucks scored seven points in the overtime period. So Grayson Allen was a part of all seven points that the Bucks scored in overtime. So I really wanted to make sure that I gave him the credit for that. Um, as far as other parts of this game, it was actually a pretty even game overall. If you look quarter to quarter, uh, 13-12 first quarter, 26-26 second quarter, 24-21 third quarter, and a 34-38 fourth quarter. And it really just goes to show that basketball is a game of runs. So where, you know, the Bucks had a large lead and they blew it, it's basically the same as the Bucks being in a close game with the Raptors and building a large lead. You know, although you could say the Toronto blew the eight to two minute marks of the fourth quarter and then they took control of the last two minutes. It's annoying that it happens, but I think I've actually seen more like double digit leads vanish in the NBA this season than maybe ever. It's, you know, it's a scoring league, obviously, but it's basketball is a game of runs and, the, the last two Wednesdays for the Bucks have shown that, and hopefully today's game is different and it's not that case. So the Bucks can build a big lead and then hold on to it and be able to play some reserves, some extra minutes, and maybe see a little more Mamu and more A.J. Green, who I actually really like, um, and get some get some Thanasis minutes and um, just continue to get better for the Bucks. But a couple things that really stood out to me this game, it's one good, one bad. The, the good is, you know, I'm going to do bad news. Jake and I, when we do this, we always do bad news first. Turnovers. Turnovers. Holy shit. 28 turnovers. Oh, my God. I almost had a stroke when I saw that total. 28 turnovers. I don't want to see that many turnovers in two games. They had that in one. I want the Bucks to be averaging like 12 turnovers a game. They had 28 turnovers. Oh, my God. Fucking God, that's way too many turnovers. Toronto had nine. Nine turnovers. The Bucks were plus 19 in turnovers. That's not a category you want to be plus 19 in. But good news. The Bucks had a 73 to 47 advantage on rebounds. The Bucks were plus 26. On rebounds. Damn. I like that. I don't like the turnovers, but I like that rebounding numbers. Those are that's fantastic. Um, Toronto shot 38 for 116 from the field in this game. They were nine of 46 from the three-point line. In percentages, that's 32.8% from the field, 19.6 from the three-point line. The Bucks took 88 shots. Toronto took 116. And the Bucs still won this game. That is, that's a half a miracle in itself. But Bucks did enough to get the game won, so that's good. Um, nine missed free throws. Ten second chance points. That's fantastic as well. Controlling the rebounds is a huge part of that. Only ten second chance points allowed. But, Thirty-two points off turnovers. I harped on it last week and the week before about points off turnovers. The Bucks gave up twenty-two, then twenty-four, and then twenty-two again, and now they're giving up thirty-two points off turnovers. 
this seriously, this cannot continue. It cannot continue. It has to be improved upon. So 51 fundamental failure points and basically 60% of that coming from points off turnovers. I don't, I don't want to talk about this game, but I have to. I honestly don't even have a lot of notes on it just because it, like I said, it's one of those games where like once a year the Bucks just have to accept they're getting kicked in the dick and they're going to give up a franchise scoring night. I don't know why, but it happens. So I want to get into this and then I want to make one statement about fans and social media because it's so easy to just Google the thing that you're complaining about and find out if you're making an emotional statement or a factual one because there's a difference. So Charlotte gets a franchise record 51 points in the first quarter, shooting 14 of 30 um, on three-pointers in the first half. 14 of 30 in the half. That's so many threes. Um, you know, it's it's a situation where, and Tim, this is where I'm going to come back to your comment, about when you're one of the best teams, the other team wanted to give you their best shot. And that's what it seemed like with Charlotte in this game. And the Bucs are one of the best teams in the NBA. They're a recent champion, and they're, they're going to get everybody's best shot. Giannis had a rough game. He was 2 for 7 and 5 for 11 from the, three point, or from the free throw line. He finished with 9 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 turnovers in 22 minutes. It's just... It's one of those games where, you know, if I had a sheet of paper, I'd crumple it up and toss it over my shoulder. That's basically what this game is. That's that's it. Nothing else. It's one of 82. Move on. Um, oh, my God. This is painful. This, I have to bring it up, though. Nine missed free throws again. 24 second chance points for Charlotte. 35 points off turnovers 35 24 and 9 is 68 fundamental failure points that is the most since i have started tracking this that i have seen on those three categories which is making your free throws not turning the ball over and boxing out and not allowing offensive rebounds 68 points that's in addition to Charlotte just shooting the absolute lights out. Um, basically what that came down to, Bobby Portis did extend his straight double-double streak in this game. He had six straight double-doubles. He had 18. Um, um, actually, he's averaging, sorry, averaging 18.5 points and 12 rebounds over those six games. And his three-point percentage is steadily rising. Um Slow and steady, but it's going up as I expected it to. I expected Bobby Portis to kind of bounce back. Um, this is the game that I wanted to give Bryant, who does our Friday night Packers shows with us. I wanted to give Bryant some credit because he said a um, – he gave a phrase that I think is very well said. And what Bryant said during one of the Packers shows that we do is urgency, not panic. So there is a difference between having urgency but not panicking, um, and I think that's where the Bucks are at. The Bucks need to play with a little more urgency, but not panic. I don't think it's a situation where like the Bucks need to, you know, 
trade everybody but Giannis or or fire Budenholz or anything like that. Um, they just need to play with a little more urgency, close some of these games out, come out of the gates a little bit stronger against some of the weaker teams that want to try to punch them in the mouth and then you know steal a game from the Bucks. Now, this is the situation where there is a difference between making an emotional statement and a factual statement. After this game, I just happened to be scrolling through the old Facebook and see people saying things like, the Bucks don't defend the three with Budenholzer, they never will. And a simple Google search would tell you that after that game, the Bucks were still seventh lowest in opponent three-point percentage. The Bucks allowed the seventh lowest three-point percentage in the NBA this season. They have made defending the three-point line a priority this year. So what I would implore fans to do is to just do a search to see if what you are feeling in the emotion of the moment is actually factual or if you're just going on Facebook because you're angry and you want to say something. And we posted it on the page on, I think it was late Sunday night or early Monday morning, and it applies to this situation where we said we could take a page out of Aaron Rodgers' book and let the emotion of the moment pass before we make judgment. And I think that's a very appropriate response to a game like this for the Bucks, where they get blown out by a bad team that has a crazy shooting night and the Bucks don't execute on their fundamentals. Let the emotion of, of losing a game like that pass before saying shit that is literally not true. Um, just one Google search. Opponent three-point percentage. It's not hard to find. Teamrankings.com. Shooting. Opponent. Three-point percentage. That's all I got to do. Um, that's pretty much all I had from that game. I mean, I didn't really have any strong takeaways from it. But let's go to let's go to Monday's game against the Knicks. Um, I did not know that the Knicks' four-game win streak was actually the longest active streak in the NBA currently before the Bucks beat them. Um, I did know. I had the feeling. I didn't know exactly how many games it was. But going into this game, the Bucks had actually beat the Knicks five straight times. Um, so Brooke Lopez and Giannis getting the game started with threes is interesting. But the Bucks' ball movement is improving, and they just need to continue making more intentional passes. I know it's a really, really basic statement to say make your passes intentional. But Jake actually wanted to give credit to the Bucks for turning the ball over less in this game. Still had 14 turnovers, which is still, like I said, that's too, too many. I really want the Bucks to get around 12 a game, ideally. I know the last couple seasons they've been in like the upper 13s, like 13.7, 13.8 area. I'd really like to see the Bucks get around 12 and get in like the top half, top 10 of the league in fewest turnovers. Um, <clears throat> I am starting to feel about... Jalen Brunson, the way that I feel about Trey Young and James Harden. And it's every time they come off a screen, every time they drive to the basket, they're doing the head jerk thing. And it's just, it's so annoying to watch. And Drew Holiday drew two really early fouls in this game. The second one was just terrible that Drew Holiday got called for it because Jalen Brunson, 
has a shot. He's like about a step behind the free throw line and he jumps up and then leans left into Drew Holiday and shoots a shot. Like Drew Holiday was actively trying to avoid contact. Like he jumped and he kind of turned to the side and Brunson did a very not natural shooting motion and moved sideways and then shot a shot and he got an and one out of it. That foul call drove me nuts. The first one that he got, fine. That one drove me nuts. And then later in the game, he actually got two. Um, he took a like a fading jump shot and he kicked his leg out. And I think it was Javon Carter like ran into that kicked out leg and Javon Carter got called for the foul. Like that's not natural shooting motion to do that big ass leg kick and then to still give him the foul when technically by the rules that's supposed to be an offensive foul. So that annoyed me as well. But I want to give Pat Connaughton credit actually. Because Pat Connaughton actually early in this game defended Julius Randle several times and actually got back-to-back stops on Julius Randle. Julius Randle, <laughs> he was one for eight on threes in the first quarter. He took eight threes in the first quarter and he made one. He finished one for 12 in the game overall um, from the three-point line. He did extend his 25-point games or 25-point game streak to 10 but it took him 29 shots to get that 25 points that's ugly if you're julius randall like you know you do your thing like you you extended your streak but it took you 29 shots to score 25 points um bobby portis's double double streak did come to an end he was five for six he had 10 points but he only hit three rebounds um Brooke, Brooke had a kind of a rough start to this game after making that first three. He made the first three, then he was over his next four, and then went six for 11 following that. Um, he also got over 100 blocks on the season in this game. So I want to give Brooke Lopez credit for that. He should be front runner for Defensive Player of the Year. Now, part of this situation where I'm bringing up turnovers so constantly and so emphatically is. The NBA is making it a mission to call more of the um, the changing pivot from your whole, your toe to heel, um, just the little happy feet steps, um, taking steps before you dribble. The NBA has made it a point of emphasis to be calling those. Uh, the Bucks just have to be more disciplined on that. Um, it's the footwork. The pivots, starting your dribbles, like that's just one of those things with the Bucks. You just got to be more fundamental with it because the NBA is putting emphasis on it, um, and that's just one of those things that it just takes more time and just more playing to get used to how the refs are calling it and just adjust and adapt to it. So that's that. Um, with Drew Holiday playing with some foul trouble, he was actually guarding Julius Randle for a while. Which, when you're trying to keep a guy safe from getting more fouls putting him on a guy who's way bigger and is going to attack you right away wasn't, I guess, the ideal scenario that I would have for Drew Holiday. But um, he basically just kind of had to play soft because he couldn't assert and get into a position where he starts giving up more falls. <clears throat> Getting to the third quarter, the Bucks had a lot of one-and-done shots, which was, you know, it is what it is, but the Bucks have placed a bigger emphasis on offensive rebounding this season. And it just wasn't the case um, in this part of this game. But the last two minutes and 11 seconds of the third quarter, the Bucks were on a 13-2 run, so that was encouraging. Uh, I I need to give a lot of credit to Pat Connaughton in this game. 
I didn't talk about him at all in the Hornets game, but I mentioned him in the Raptors game. And this game for sure, Pat Connaughton was doing work. I know Jake and I are both big fans of Pat Connaughton because he does it all, but he was defending, he was rebounding, scoring, um, diving on the floor twice at least I saw. Uh, Pat Connaughton actually had a double-double in this game. He had 11 points, 11 rebounds. So I really wanted to give Pat Connaughton credit for that. Um, And it comes down to being kind of a team effort with Mitchell Robinson. So I want to give credit to the entire Bucks, you know, mainly the big men, but for neutralizing Mitchell Robinson's rebounding impact. Uh, Mitchell Robinson had only eight rebounds, and three of them are offensive. The last time the Bucks and the Knicks played, Mitchell Robinson had 20 rebounds and 11 were offensive. Uh, he had 15 points in that previous game. He only had two points in Monday night's game. So the Bucks made a great adjustment on Mitchell Robinson to neutralize his effectiveness. Um, all starters were in double figures, which is great. Um, and, ooh, Joe Ingles is the other guy I got to bring up. Joe Ingles, 17 points, five assists, three rebounds. It's great to see Joe Ingles starting to also turn that corner, like I mentioned with Pat Connaughton. Um, let's see if there's anything else that I had in here. It's, oh, Javon Carter. I love Javon Carter. Like, I really love the way that he plays. It's just watching him lately. Like, I want Javon Carter to get his swagger back. He's playing pretty similar minutes as he was when he was the starter. But I don't know if it's just not being in the starting lineup that's affecting him or if it's a confidence thing or if it's just a slump for him, which is totally possible. You know, Javon Carter could still be feeling good. He's just not having some shots going. He's had some shots kind of rattle halfway in and pop out, which – like always makes you feel bad for a guy who's in a slump to just not be able to buy a bucket. Over his last three games, um, oh, sorry. His last three games, he has made zero field goals. In the month of January, Javon Carter is 9 of 36 from the field. That's 25% and 4 of 20, which is 20% from the three-point line. But he's still playing with energy and effort, so I do still appreciate that from Javon Carter. I just want to see him bounce back and start get going offensively again. Um. Only four missed free throws in this game, which is encouraging. 12 points off turnovers for the Knicks, which is huge improvement over the last two games. <coughs> and 23 second chance points. That's 39 fundamental favorite points. That's still above the average from last season, which was 33. But it's much better than the previous two games, which were two of the highest fundamental failure points I have had since I started tracking that uh, that stat, which is those three combined things. Um Back in the win column is really the important thing. Um, the Bucks, <laughs> we have a lot of Bucks games coming up in the next week. Starting with tonight, uh, they're at Atlanta. There is no Trey Young. Trey Young is not playing in tonight's game. He has a non-COVID illness that apparently is just going around all of the NBA um, <clears throat> because Drew missed a bunch of time with it. Uh, George Hill missed a bunch of time with it. Um, Marjan Bochamp, Sergi Baca missed a bunch of time with it. It's it sucks, you know, it sucks that there's an illness going around like that, but it's going to lead Trey Young to not playing tonight. Um, that doesn't mean the Bucks are just going to walk away with it. The, the Hawks did beat the Bucks earlier this season without Trey Young. Then tomorrow night, second of a back to back, they play at Miami, and then Saturday again, they're in Miami. 
and then Monday against the Pacers and Tuesday against Toronto. So two back-to-backs coming in the next week, two on the road, two at home. Um, Monday's game is really weird. Monday's game against the Pacers starts at 1.30 in the afternoon. Really, really weird scheduled time of a game. That game can end up being weird just because it's such an unnatural time for a game. Um, don't know whose scheduling idea that was, but that is what it is. So the Bucks play at 1.30 on Monday, but at Atlanta, two at Miami, home against the Pacers, home against the Raptors. I'm going to say 4-1 and one in the next week. I think tomorrow night's game is going to be the tough one because I think we're going to potentially see some load management and maybe see um, Giannis, Drew, probably Joe Ingles uh, sit out tomorrow night's game, maybe even Brooke Lopez. He's only missed one game the entire season. So tomorrow night might be an opportunity where they get um, Brooke Lopez some veteran rest. Serge Ibaka is away from the team dealing with some personal issues. Bucks and Serge Ibaka haven't said what it is, but whatever it is, hope it's you know, the best of luck for Sergi Baca with whatever he's got going on. Uh, I wanted to bring this up. Um, Eric Name tweeted, before tonight's game, Bucks coach Mike Budenholzer told reporters that Chris Middleton practiced yesterday, including significant five-on-five work. Um, Budenholzer said the work he did would be comparable to one of the herd practices, which they did with Middleton before his first ramp-up, and they did with Marjan Bochamp with his ramp-up and Joe Ingles with his ramp-up as they returned from injury. Um, Chris Middleton is on the road trip with the Bucks, So he did travel to New York. He's with them in Atlanta and he'll be going with them to the two games in Miami. So maybe not as early as tomorrow night, but I think Saturday return for Chris Middleton is possible. If he went along on the road trip, they had to have been thinking that that was a possibility that he'd be playing at some point in these next four games. So, um, doesn't sound like he's playing tonight already, which we knew yesterday, but, um, We'll keep an eye out to see if he plays tomorrow. Otherwise, I'm really thinking Saturday is going to be that opportunity where Chris Middleton might get uh, back in the Bucks starting lineup, and they need him. You know, some of these late-game situations where the Bucks are kind of lacking a closer, that's kind of the role that Chris Middleton has occupied for the team this past five seasons or so. Um, so the Bucks need Chris Middleton back, and hopefully that'll be sooner than later, and he can get back to playing. Um, one last thing I want to touch on with Chris Middleton is um, I'm seeing a lot of trade Chris Middleton stuff because people have taken a little bit of um, some of his statements out of context. And obviously a lot of media is going to twist that context even more to mislead people so that they click on their, their stuff. And what Chris Middleton said was that he wants to be in Milwaukee. He has a player option coming up this offseason that he can accept or decline. Uh, if he declines, it, he'll go into free agency. What he said was, I want to be in Milwaukee, but it is a business. And, you know, he would never say um, that he wouldn't test free agency, even if it's just to find out what his value is. Um, and then, you know, present that to Milwaukee and say, here, this is what this team, this team, and this team are willing to offer me. You know, what are you going to offer me? So it's not like Chris Middleton is planning on leaving Milwaukee. Um, And the other thing that, like, I know Jake and I both saw this was people saying that Chris Middleton is unhappy in Milwaukee and that his teammates are unhappy with him. I have not seen a single report that supports that statement. So that, that needs to stop being spread around because it's simply not true. And there's nothing anywhere that gives any evidence to that claim. So, 
spreading that stuff. It's <clears throat> it's just misinformation, which could potentially color somebody's opinion of that person unjustifiably. So that stuff it needs to change, honestly. Um, James put in the same quote that he put in earlier, and that's the information. It's it's important. Evidence is important. Um, <clears throat> and I'll say this. <clears throat> the burden of evidence, it falls on the person who makes the claim, not the person who's disputing the claim. If I, if you know, if you say that Chris Middleton and his teammates are unhappy with him, like you need to show where people are saying that. I don't need to say that people aren't saying it. You need to back up your claim. Um, and the claims that are being made just simply aren't true. That's it's irresponsible at best to be spreading that kind of information. So I'll continue to call it out when I see it. Um, other than that, Jake and I will be back on Friday night with Simon and Bryant to wrap up our Packers season. Um, we will wrap up the Detroit game, and then we are each going to do three positive takeaways from the season and three things to improve going into 2023. So that'll be a good show. And then uh, we won't have quite as many regular Friday Packer episodes until we start getting closer to the NFL draft, which will be in a couple months. But um, Jake will be back for that. And then Jake and I will be back next Wednesday. So uh, thank you for everybody for tuning in, commenting along. Uh, I want to thank Mike for joining me to do the interview with Ricardo Hallman. And I want to thank Ricardo Hallman again for joining the show. He was an awesome guest and I'm really enjoying getting all the different insights from different players on the Badgers. So I want to thank him again for joining the show. And um, thank everybody again for watching and commenting along. Um, Jake and I appreciate it. We really do. It's it's very cool and it's very validating that that people are enjoying not only what we're doing, but that that people we're talking about want to be a part of it as well. And and thank us for being able to be on our show is is a very validating thing. And Jake and I only want to keep doing more. So hopefully we can get some more Badgers and then start to get some other some other teams players on the show and and keep growing and bringing more players closer to the fans. That's what we're doing. So um, thanks again, everybody, for watching, and we will be back on Friday. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.